kick into our very first part of a new series that we are doing on prayer. And prayer is one of those things that it's we totally understand. Church, prayer, God, prayer. It understand that these kind of things should be connected, but for some reason we can get bogged down and get kind of spooked about prayer and freaked out about prayer and not really understand that. So what we want to do is look at this, and Jesus actually, believe it or not, he actually taught us how to pray. And he, he showed us how to do this. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at what Jesus taught us to do. And sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with this, we can take his teaching of prayer and turn it into that's the prayer we're supposed to pray. And all of a sudden it becomes we have to say those exact words. And I don't have a problem with you, you taking those words and meaning it. But it was more than that than what was taking place. It was actually this impartation of this, of this, of this how and this, this, these truths of how to pray. So go ahead and get your version app open. Get your notes rolling. Your old school bulletin open. And let's get into this. Because prayer, folks, is a vital part of our relationship with God. And should be as natural as us or as a kid talking to his parent, his father. It should be that natural. Man, sometimes we can turn it in to something else and we can get all stammery and we're, we, we're, we become before God and, and it's, it's like, a, you know, this 13-year-old boy at his first dance going to the, to the wall of girls on the other side and, oh, never mind. And just go back and you never actually get there. Too many people can do that with this aspect of prayer. We're just saying about that God is mighty and he is the great I am. That's how he, Moses said, who should I say sent me? And he says, tell them I am that I am sent me. That's where we get those words that we sang today. And, and so, and you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, he said, whatever you need, I am. You need provision, I am. You need healing, I am. You need a deliverer, I am. You need love, I am that. He is that for us. And he is all that. He's the great creator of the universe. But there's something we need to understand. Is that our relationship, our relationship with God, it thrives. It thrives as our prayer life grows. It is a relationship. Now, I, my wife and I have been married for this coming December 20 years. Yes, two decades. She has put up with me and loved me and, uh, and uh, gone on this great adventure with me. Two decades of that. And, uh, but I tell you what, if we were to simply share the same address, live under the same roof, her do her stuff that she needs to do and me do my stuff that I need to do and, and you know, we, the bills get paid and the lawn gets mowed and, and the, the, all of the different stuff needs to get done. The kids get picked up and dropped off and all of the doing that needs to get done and we don't ever talk. We can't really call that a relationship. We can't. It, it, our relationship comes down to communication. You know, it's wonderful, and I appreciate that you showed up at this movie theater. We've turned into a place of worship, and we're, under the, like, we're all under the same roof with Jesus' people. That's wonderful. 
But we can't begin to say that is now my relationship with God. We have to carry it. And if you refuse to move forward in your prayer life, your life with God is just not going to move forward. It's just not. Like, well, prayer is uncomfortable for me. I understand that. And that's why we're going to be looking at this, and that's why we're going to be talking about it. When Cutie and I um, first, uh, when we first met all those years ago, and uh, I was going to school here at Angelo State. She lived in uh, Odessa, and so it was two hours away, and that was back. All the, all the kids are going to go, I can't believe you actually, this had to happen. But we, you had to pay per minute for long distance. Isn't that crazy? You ever heard of such a thing? That it actually cost m- extra money to be in San Angelo and to call Odessa. It costs a lot of extra money. So they had these little things where all of a sudden it got cheaper at midnight. So we would milk our dollars and call at midnight. And uh, wait, then we would talk. And we would, we would talk and communicate. And our relationship grew, not because we could be under the same roof together, but because we could talk to each other. And we would talk for literally, I'd, we'd call one another at midnight, and we would, we would talk no, we'd quit no earlier than 2 o'clock in the morning. Normally it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd have to get up and go to class at ASU. What do you mean, wah? It was tough, baby. I had to carry my GPA. And uh, stay on top of my grades. And, uh, and there were times that we would be on the phone and that all of a sudden you would recognize that there had been a long period of silence. And she would go, Bran, Bran, are you awake? And I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm awake. And we would fall asleep, clicking them AT&T, love that. Ooh, just burn in those minutes. And um, the worst month, I, uh, my bill my long distance bill was two hundred dollars and hers was four hundred dollars and that's still a lot of money back then that's a whole lot of money and um so uh it, it was just but that relationship that talking that communication is how we built and guess what by the time you spent months and months every night two and three hours a night on the phone it's like what do you talk about what do you not talk about you talk about everything Man, I'm telling you, we've covered, we, we knew more about each other's past. We'd talk about old vacations. We'd talk about all sorts of different stuff. Dreaming about what, what we wanted for our family, how we wanted everything to go. We talked about everything under the sun. Guess what? God wants that kind of a life-giving relationship. And you know what? You know, whenever I was in college, I would, I'd get up in the morning and we decided that we were going to work on our prayer life. Me and a buddy of mine, so we decided that we, we keep seeing this thing in the Bible, that early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. And so we're like, well, that must be the best time to pray. So we would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and meet in this little room, and it worked for about six and a half minutes. And so because we did the old school praying, we didn't realize that you could walk around and stuff. And so you get like this at 6 o'clock in the morning, it's done. And you're, you've been in that twilight before you go, before you actually fall asleep. And you're saying, Lord, I thank you for, for just reaching out to my friend. And God, I, I love you. And God, macaroni. <laughs> and y- yes. And, and all of a sudden you're saying just goofy stuff. And then you realize, you're like, oh God, I'm so sorry. 
I am so sorry. And you know he's just laughing. You know he is cracking up. It's like, this is funny. But it, was, it, was, it built my relationship, even the macaroni prayers, built my relationship with God because it was, that, it was, that it, was, it was vital to me, that it was important to me to talk to God. And I realized I'm not a 6 a.m. prayer guy. And so even when we meet at 9 o'clock in the morning, when I know we just announced that, and I hope some of y'all join us for prayer. We've been doing this for years. This, this whole um, service is always seated and covered in prayer big time. But I will walk around and I will pray. Why? Because I get up at, at 5.45 in the morning. And if I sit down in that chair at 9 o'clock, I may go to sleep. And uh, so we walk around and pray, and uh, there's different styles and different postures of prayer. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing is that it is vital, and it needs to be honest, and it needs to be real. Let's look at Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus was praying. And they overhear it, and he finishes. And they're like, that's different. That's different. Teach us to pray. Now, these, are guys that, these aren't guys that grew up in this irreligious culture. These are guys, these are Jews. These are guys who've been praying their whole life. But when they heard Jesus pray, it was different. They're like, Lord, teach us how to do this. We obviously don't even know what we're doing. Let's just go to square one and just teach us. John taught his disciples, you can teach us. So he begins to teach them. It's a request he honors. And it says, and he said to them, when you pray. And most of us begin to be rec- recognize this prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. A lot of translations refer to it as the model prayer, which is the way I like to refer it because it's how Jesus teaches. It's a model, and we're going to get into that. But he says, say this, Father, hallowed or praised be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. You see, when he taught them to pray, first off, how long did that just now take me? Not even a minute. Not even a minute. Right now, I want you to just remove from your mind the fact that if you're going to really pray, then you're going to be this person that has to pray half an hour, an hour, or something like that. That's kind of the only the prayers that God honors. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he gives them a prayer that is seconds long, not minutes long seconds long now i'm not saying that there's anything wrong wrong with praying longer than that there's in the bible there's a lot longer prayers recorded but when jesus would get it's the thing is do it engage in it be honest about it this is this is how jesus is teaching us to pray we can all of a sudden get this idea that it's this big heavy weighty thing and it's got to be long and elaborate with these words i don't even know and these different things and, and it's and it's not It's not that at all. It's not that at all. And one of the first things I want us to notice about this, in fact, we're going to just eat this over this same passage of Scripture, chunk by chunk by chunk. But I want us to to see this. And I've got a a video that I want to roll right here before we get into the next piece that shows us how this can be 
a model prayer. God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs. And be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, Help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. See, it's a model. It's to show us how he wants us to address our Father. And that's one of the things that, that I want us to look at first is God wants us to talk to him like he is our daddy. Like he's our daddy. Yes, he's the great I am. Yes, he's the creator of the universe. Yes, he is everything. He's majesty. He's king. He's Lord of all. But in that understanding, he wants you to take all of that understanding and say, and all of that is your daddy. And that's what I want you to call me. He wants us to connect with that. Luke 22, 2 says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. They weren't used to that. They weren't used to that. They referred to him as Jehovah or Yahweh or, or, or um, Elohim or one of these other th things. But to simply call him Father, to simply call him Father, it seemed sacrilegious. It seemed too common. In fact, that was the thing that pushed the Pharisees over the edge is when Jesus dared to say that he was the Son of God. And they're like, that's it. And they immediately began and made the decision that they were going to kill Jesus. It was carried out later. But that thing, it's so bowed up against their culture. And this is how Jesus said to connect. Call him Father. See, I titled this uh, that uh, I love it when you call me Big Papa. And so I tried to get the worship team in the huggy time to pray, uh, to play. Or pray, probably needed some prayer. Um, uh, oh, uh, Notorious Biggs, I love it when you call me Big Papa. That's all of the song that you can use. The rest of it's trash. <laughs> Lord, help us, it's trash. And, uh, but Notorious Big is not the first one to, he may have been the first one to put it in that wording, but God wants that. He wants us. He loves it when we address him as daddy. He loves it when we connect with that. See, and, and this wasn't just something that Jesus, that Jesus simply taught his disciples to do. This is, this is Jesus' own prayer model. Let's look at Mark 14, 32 through 36. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. This is, he's coming up to the cross. I mean, it is coming up to, to him fulfilling his earthly assignment. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. 
And then he took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And here he is. <clears throat> tells him, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. And going a little bit further, so there within earshot, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. He opens his mouth in his time of desperation and need and anguish. And he doesn't just say, Father. He says, Abba, Father. That's that Aramaic for Papa, for Daddy. That Abba, those easy-to-say syllables that, that we use with, a, with our little ones. And we can't wait until <coughs> they say, Daddy and Mama and Abba was their cultures. It wasn't a big, frilly, religious word. It was the most intimate daddy phrase that you could possibly have, and that is how Jesus, our example, our model, our Savior, talked to his dad. He says, Daddy, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I'm going to do what you want. If there's another way, let's do it another way. But he cries out, Abba, Father. And it wasn't just him. We see in Romans, Paul brings this same phrase right into our lives. And it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. This is being back under the law and being this, this fearful place of this, this God, this judge, this, 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 this ruler of the world from a distance. He didn't make us in, in, under fear again, but rather the spirit you received brought, you, uh, <clears throat> brought about your adoption to sonship. We have to be aware of that and conscious of that. And by him, the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. When we go into prayer, understand that. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, if you'll just, if you'll just take that first little piece of this, it can revolutionize your prayer life. If you don't already understand it, if you'll just embrace that, that that is what he wants. And I understand that some people have a hard time with this, that some people don't have a good relationship with a daddy or a father. But I tell you what, we all have an ideal. And we all know what we would love for a good daddy to be. And our father, heavenly father is that. And you approach him understanding that he is that. It says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are God's children. He wants us to approach him like that. He wants to talk to us about like, like that. So many people. I, I've heard people tell me. Is that, well you know. I, this isn't going on. But man God's got so many other things going on. Okay. I, we've got a busy life. We have things going on. But I tell you what. Colin will come up to me. And she'll have a little, this, little, this little cup in her hand. And, and it'll be green. And she'll say green. And I'm like, I'll stop whatever I'm doing when she gets my attention. <laughs> Sometimes she may have to say green three or four times. And then, whoo. But it's not like, oh, why did you just interrupt me to point out the obvious that that is a green cup, child? <laughs> no, I'm like, that's awesome. That is green. That is green. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it that she's talking to me. I love it that she's sharing. I love it that she's discovered a new word and a new concept. And she wants me to know it. Our daddy is the same way. There's nothing too trivial. 
If you're, if you're his servant, then maybe there's something too trivial. If there's something else, if you're something else, then maybe there's something too trivial. But for a child, there is nothing too trivial. You get excited about it, he gets excited about it. Bring it to him and connect with him on that. Galatians 4 says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, which now that we're sons, we're not under the law anymore because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Papa, God, so that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. He's, a, he's our daddy. He's our papa who has pr- provided for us, who has made us an heir, who has brought us into his kingdom and made us a part of it. It changes everything. I don't know if, if some of y'all have a, how many of y'all have read the, the book, The Shack? If you've read it, you understand. There we go. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. Um, I suggest if you can get through the first 80 pages, or first 80 pages are gut-wrenching. If you're a parent, it's just might as well punch you in the face. I'm just going to tell you straight up front. Okay? It's hard. It's hard, okay? But you get through the first 80 pages and read the rest of the book. And um, it's, it's this narrative, and it's just, it's just so full and helps us understand so many different concepts. It was just a, 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 brilliantly done, a brilliantly done book. But one of the pieces that we see is that the, the main character, his wife, when she in her prayer life has ca- called God Papa, and refer to God as Papa. And his, this guy's children have picked up on it and call him Papa. And there is this whole concept that runs through this book of embracing God as Father. And him being there in our place of pain. And him being there in our place of need. And him being there like a daddy God. And you know what? And I've loved it. I've heard a number of people as they pray. And everybody has their own style. And I've heard a number of people embrace that. Whether they got it out of that book or not. And that they'll say Papa. And I love it. And I think God is good with it <clears throat> and so we see that ephesians three fourteen, that when paul's talking about he says for this reason i kneel before the father not before the great god of the universe not before jehovah not before all this i kneel before the father and Paul, this guy who wrote the bulk of the New Testament, when he says, when he goes to pray, his mindset, his concept is him going before our Father. Jesus taught it. Paul models it. The Scriptures do it. The Holy Spirit testifies to it in our hearts. We have to get this down. Our prayer lives will be jacked if we don't understand this and embrace this. In fact, I had not, I had not recognized this until I was studying for this message. And so, and I began to look at this. And this was just... It shouldn't have surprised me, but it, it was just absolutely amazing to me that inside of all of the openings of every one of Paul's letters, every one of them, and the bulk of the epistles, in fact, there's only one epistle, period, whether it was written by Peter <coughs> or Jude or any of those other things, it was almost all of them but one. And it's actually it's Third John or Second John. Um, in the very first opening, reference God as the Father. That the paradigm that this entire letter is being talked about, and we're going to talk about God in this, and it's God the Father. I love that. 
Look at Romans 1, 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, <clears throat> Philemon, all of Paul's stuff, all of it. Right within the first few sentences, in the first breath, some of them, it's the first breath that he puts down. It's God as our Father. No wonder. When the enemy is at work in a culture, he works to just destroy the father image and the father function in society. We've seen it attacked for the last three or four generations like never before. It has just been destroyed. I'm so thankful for the dads in our church. And I love seeing strong dads. And I've talked about this over and over again. And I'm seeing our teenagers step up and serve God in a strong way. And over and over and over again, there's a strong dad leading them. Over and over and over again. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we have to get this down. We have to understand this. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Him who? God, our Father. This is what Celebration Church is all about, is to know God better and to trust Him more. I've prayed this scripture over and over and over again over our church, and then getting ready for this message, I saw that it was the Father nature of God that we're to know better. The Son came to reveal what? The scripture says, the Father. This is so important. This is so vital. All relationships, people grow through communication. And Jesus modeled for us how to talk to God in a life-giving way. I don't know where your, your, your uh, prayer life is. which It's simply, it's just talking to God. I don't know where it's at. But I want to, I want to challenge you to step it up. If you don't have one at all, just say, hey, daddy, hey, father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I woke up today. Be with me today. And go on. It didn't have to be a big super prayer. But I guarantee you as things begin to open up, things begin to just shift. The Bible talks about praying continually. That sounds like 24-7. Like, God this, God that. No. It's this open lines of communication. Some of you text 24-7. You got a kajillion running conversations. That's all it is. That's all it is. Just keeping that line open. This is so important, people. God loves you. God loves you. And he's our father. Right now, I want to create a quiet moment. That if you're here today and you want 